I'm about to preach a sermon on anxiety. What possibly could go wrong? Um, actually, this morning, um, I came in to set up my PowerPoint, and um, uh, as soon as we loaded it, it like totally wrecked the formatting on my PowerPoint. And so I spent like 15, 20 minutes trying to go through all the slides and getting them to look right. So if any of them look strange, you'll have to forgive me this morning. Um, I'll just blame the computer. Um, but anyway, this morning um, I am attempting to introduce a topic that tra uh, Pastor Travis and I will be uh, going over the next four weeks, and the topic is anxiety. Uh, in the last couple of years, we've seen anxiety grip the hearts of people. It's been a difficult season for so many people. In, in so many varied ways. Um, and if I'm honest, I admit there's times where I've been anxious about um, particular matters. And what I found is that in my counseling practice uh, as a counselor, um, that's kind of redundant, but anyway, um, I've noticed that the increasing intensity of anxiety among the people that I help out and, in fact, it's unlike anything that I've seen in the last 20 years of counseling. Um, I've seen family and friends who have become uh, anxious and, and uh, tied up with this anxiety springing up. And then also I've seen how anxiety, the dread of anxiety, has cropped up among you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I've observed this spike in trust, uh, stress and worry. Come, people come from all walks of life, uh, it, all political and religious perspectives, in all situations and circumstances. Um, really, there isn't anyone that hasn't been impacted by stress and anxiety in the last couple years. And even for those who feel like they're doing a decent job of handling those stressors, I'm sure that you can relate to the fact that you have carried the burden of someone else's anxiety or maybe have even been attacked by somebody out of a spirit of fear. And so, for the most part, I would say that God has been faithful in guarding me from the extremes of that anxiety, but I have not been immune. Um, I'm thankful for the, the peace that God gives me. I, I praise Him for that. But I've also been disappointed at how easily at times I've been willing to give up that peace that he gives me. You know, there's a, a discouragement that exists when we allow anxiety to take over our hearts and our lives. So, I am with great gratitude proclaim that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Uh, which is, gives me an opportunity to share the next couple slides with you. Uh, one of the things that we realize as we enter into this time of learning about anxiety is the importance of worship and how worship guards your heart um, when you are feeling stressed and anxious. And so uh, we've created a listening uh, list, a playlist, both on YouTube Music and on Amazon. If you take your phone out, you can uh, take a picture of that. It's also on our Facebook page if you want to uh, download it from Facebook. Um, but anyway, the, the idea is that we really want to give you guys tools on how 
to cope with anxiety. So this is one of the tools that we're going to promote this month. Uh, the other thing, uh, if you have songs that you would like to add to the list, and I imagine that Spotify will probably get that up and running as well. Um, but if you have songs you would like to add to the list, just to share with others, we encourage you to let us know what songs you would like to be on that list. But the idea of music gives peace to the soul. You've probably, you know, like been in those anxious experiences and you plug in some music and it, it just helps settle you. Uh, whether it's praise and worship music, if that's your style, or uh, instrumental music, whatever it is, um, we, we recognize that that is something that is valuable. And so with prayer and music and meditation and scripture reading and celebrating God's creation and being an encouragement, God has established peace in my heart. Um, again, not that it's been a lasting and enduring peace, I'm I, sad to say. Um, but there's been plenty of opportunities to be discouraged over the last two years. Would you agree? And even sometimes I've, I've started down this sort of disquieted road of, of conflict. And, and God's like pulling me back, like, don't go down that road. And I, even though I've wanted to go down that road, God has been faithful at pulling me back and reestablishing uh, me on that peace. And he's used uh, you, all of you, to encourage me to do that and my family. Um, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that God is willing to... Um, to pull me back to a place of peace. And so today, as a way of introduction, I want to do a brief survey of the various passages in the Bible that speak to anxiety. And uh, we're going to have three more opportunities to share with you in more depth um, what these passages say, so they'll be a, di a bit deeper than we are going into them today. Uh, so today is more of an overview. Uh, it's an incomplete picture of what the Bible has to say about anxiety. The second area that I would like to say, just briefly touch on, is how uh, anxiety relates to clinical anxiety and, and its various forms. And then the, I'd like to close with uh, looking at how anxiety relates to sin. One of the things that, in preparing for the sermon, that I realized was really how much the Bible has to say about anxiety. I think one of the reasons I was surprised by it, because so often, uh, as probably the case with many of you, when I think about anxiety, I think about the passage where Jesus says to not be anxious, and, and the various passages that talks about praying for anxiety, and, and almost with the idea, if we do those things, that everything's going to be okay. Um, and while there, that is true to a certain extent, uh, the reality is, presenting that, that that is the sum total of what the Bible teaches anxiety is really a very surface and a very uh, non-depth way of looking through the scriptures and what they say about anxiety. And so we want to kind of dig in. Now, the reality is that there's more in the Bible than Travis or I could ever cover in the next four weeks. And so one of the things that we hope is that as, as we uh, exp uh, explain and share what the Bible says about anxiety, that you'll have an opportunity to dig in deeper through personal study, study with others, or future messages that we'll bring from the pulpit. But the reality is that the world needs more than just cliches and trite quotes 
Anxiety is very real and a struggle for so many people. So let's dig in. Looking at um, Psalm chapter 55, if you'd stand with me for the reading of God's word. Starting with verse 1. God, listen to my prayer and do not hide my plea plea for help. Pay attention to me and answer me. I'm restless and in turmoil with my complaint. Because of the enemy's words, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down disaster on me and harass me in anger. My heart shudders within me. Terrors of death sweep over me. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, if only I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and find rest. How far away I would flee. I would stay in the wilderness. I would hurry to my shelter from the raging wind and the storm. Lord, confuse and confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they make rounds on its walls. Crime and trouble are within it. Trouble or destruction is inside it. Oppression and deceit never leave its marketplace. Now, It's not an enemy who insults me. Otherwise, I could bear it. It's not a foe who rises up against me. Otherwise, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion, and good friend. We used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. Let death take them by surprise. Let them go down to Sheol alive because the evil in their homes and within them. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. I complain and groan morning, noon, and night and he hears my voice. Though many are against me, he will redeem me from the battle unharmed. God, the one enthroned from long ago, will hear and humiliate them. Because they do not change and do not fear God. My friend acts violently against those at peace with him. He violates his covenant. His buttery words are smooth, but war is in his heart. His words are softer than oil, but they are drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. God you will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and treachery will not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Father God, I just lift up this word to you. I pray that you would write it upon our hearts and help us to learn how to handle this very serious issue of anxiety in our own hearts, in our own lives, and respond and support and comfort to those who struggle with it in theirs. And so, Lord, I lift up this time to you and ask that you would fill it with your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this psalm is by King David. At that time, Absalom, his son, through treachery, had gathered uh, people against King David in hopes to overthrow him and dethrone him. 
It is believed that his friend that betrayed David was one of his close advisors, Ahithophel. So there is David. His son had sided with his enemies. And his friend and advisor had sided with his son. This is an extremely low point in David's life. And it's safe to assume that anxiety was the prevailing mood with David and those who supported David. So let's dig into some of the ways that this passage describes this anxious time. One of the things that I first note in the very first verses is that David feels distant from God. When I think back over my own experiences with anxiety, I can honestly say that those times when I'm anxious and I'm praying, it does feel a bit like God is not listening or hearing your prayers. Now, that's not true, but it's certainly a feeling that can overwhelm you when you are experiencing a feeling of anxiety. And in that sense that God is not hearing it, we see this, this picture in this psalm, but this sentiment is actually described in another psalm as well. Psalm 64, verse 1, it says, God, hear my voice when I am in anguish. You see, for the believer, being alone in a time of anxiety can be very, very challenging. But to feel alone and feel that God does not hear you can bring you into a time of extreme anguish. For the believer, then, we can identify with what David was feeling at this time and the circumstances that he was facing. The situation was dire. There's people surrounding him. Uh, Some people that wanted to get rid of him. Some of the people that wanted to kill him. In the historical account of this event, we hear that David actually had to leave Jerusalem to avoid being caught by those who were against him. With this kind of anxiety in the circumstances that he was dealing with, it was a very real and desperate situation. And sometimes we can fall into that. Like the, the situations and circumstances in our own life can be very desperate and can be very real challenges that we face in our life. And as we are overcome by those situations, we can be overcome with anguish as we face those difficult circumstances. Uh, Nahum, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Desolation, decimation, devastation, hearts melt, knees tremble, insides churn, every face grows pale. And so we see here in this passage a very rich description of anxiety. Hearts are melting. Knees are trembling. Insides are churning. Every face grows pale. How often we look at the desperation of a present circumstance that we're facing, real or anticipated, and have these exact same feelings. Read this next section from Psalm 55 again. My heart shudders within me. The terrors of death sweep over me. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, if only I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and find rest. How far away I would flee. I would stay in the wilderness. Notice, again, heart racing. Terror and fear are literally physical sensations that sweep over, grip, and overwhelm David. Also notice that one of the things that David wants to do is escape this situation. If you have ever been a person that has struggled with anxiety or known somebody that struggles with anxiety, you know that this desire to get out or escape from this very desperate situation is one of the main things that can overwhelm a person in that moment. 
They want to get out of this thing that is creating them so much fear in their hearts and their lives. And they want to take shelter from these storms in their lives. This desire to find a safe place is really what drives most of the action when somebody is anxious. In this situation, David wants to escape his enemies. However, there can be times where we want to escape from God. Uh, consider this, Isaiah chapter 33, verse 3, it says, The peoples flee at the thunderous noise, and the nations sh- scatter when you rise in your majesty. So in this passage, that reveals that in the face of God's holiness, that the nations want to escape. They want to get away. In truth, when we're out of step with God's plan and purpose for our lives, we can want to get away from God. We, we, can want, we can become quite anxious and want to escape the things of God. Continuing on with the Psalm of David, we see that uh, David continues to focus on the circumstances. He has a very vivid description of what is happening. He says, violence and strife, crime and trouble, oppression and deceit. And if we look at the, that description, we can see that Um, when we look at those circumstances, uh, if we didn't know what was going on in David's life, we could say that this description would fit anything that's on the news sites that we look at. Violence, strife, crime, trouble, oppression, and deceit seem to be the mainstay of our culture right now. And if we're honest, these things surround us each and every day. I know that there are some people somewhere in the world that have it worse than I do and have it with greater intensity than I do. However, none of us can escape the reality that we live in a broken and fallen world. And when, when these things overwhelm us, there's a good chance that feelings of fear and anxiety in our hearts will follow. I think it's important to understand that the world is against God and his people. And they will do anything to prevent God and the goodness of God from going forward. In Nehemiah chapter 7 verses I'm sorry, chapter 8 verse chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. I get it right eventually. Uh, when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repair of the walls in Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw it into confusion. Those that wanted to block the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem did everything in their power to intimidate, harass, and confuse God's people in order that they would abandon the cause. Keep in mind that our battle is not against people, but against spiritual forces that, that are standing in the way. The enemy of our souls, the accuser of Christians, the father of lies, Satan, is looking for ways to cause us to fear in order that we would give up and abandon those things that God has called us to. He will use any means to accomplish this task. Let me give you an example. No doubt that many of you have heard of a philosophy called critical race theory. 
Now, it's a political movement that's gaining ground among people who are politically progressive. Now, I want to make it as clear as I possibly can. I do not support CRT, nor do I support social Marxism. That being said, I do believe that the devil has found a tool to create all kinds of havoc and division among God's people. So whether you are against racism, which we should be, by the way, you know, hating somebody because of the color of their skin is wrong and sinful. Or if you're against Marxism, which we should be, because Marxism is a godless ideology, we have discovered how the devil can sneak in and cause division among believers on these issues. And if you think for one moment that the devil cares about whether you are following the prevailing winds of anti-racism or anti-Marxism, he does not care. The devil cares about one thing, and that's division. And if he can divide, he will use whatever means necessary to accomplish his task. To divide the church by any means. And this relates to anxiety because it's rooted in fear. Fear of ideas. Fear of movements. Fear of making mistakes. Fear of being seen in an unfavorable light. Fear of being persecuted. Fear of losing control. Fear of those people over there. Fear of the person who's sitting next to me. Fear of being marginalized, uh, forgotten, neglected, despised, rejected. Fear of decay. Fear of being polluted. Fear of not appearing righteous to your own group. Fear. Fear is the devil's tool. And he's using it to attempt to uh, destroy God's people and God's work in their lives. Dear brothers and sisters, we cannot let the devil manipulate us into a division where we abandon the good work that God has called us to do. We must regard each other and we must stand together for the cause of Christ or the devil will surely pick us off one by one. Please hear me. I am not advocating that we compromise on standing up against racism. I'm not advocating that we compromise on standing up against Marxism. But we have to figure out a way to do it together. If we destroy each other, then the devil gets his victory. At the bottom of anxiety, we discover that this betrayal is the deepest woe that a person can experience, or at least in this case that David is experiencing. In verse 12, he makes a switch from his focus on his enemies to the betrayal of a friend. I find the phrase, we walked with the crowd into the house of God, absolutely haunting. 
I'm sure that each of us can recall a time where somebody in our circle um, insulted you or um, rose up against you, maybe even acted violently against you or acted in deception against you or did something that really offended or hurt, caused you to break the trust that, they, that you had towards them. And if you haven't experienced that, give it time, you will eventually experience that kind of hurt. This type of betrayal uh, is the deepest sorrow that a person can experience. Job described it this way in uh, chapter 17, verse 7. It says, My eyes have grown dim from grief, and my whole body has become but a shadow. That this feeling of being betrayed by another person that you cared about, that you were concerned about, on whatever issue it was, this picture of becoming a shadow of your former self is a very real and accurate description of this type of betrayal. In fact, in my experience, when people experience this kind of betrayal, they work so hard to reestablish some predictability in their lives, and they work so hard to gain control back over their lives to protect themselves from ever being hurt again. And this can lead to suspicions, obsessions, uh, paranoia, and defensive, and emotional deadness and none of these things are good for relationships and none of these things are good for the soul these anxieties over betrayal can be some of the most devastating things that a pastor or a counselor can walk with somebody through but i want to encourage you if you've been swallowed up by this anxiety this this stress let me just say that you can find a place, a safe place, where somebody can walk through this with you to be an encouragement. That may be another brother and sister in Christ who you have a good relationship with that you trust. And so if that's the case, I encourage you to do that. It's also possible that you might want to reach out to one of the staff members or volunteers here at Richland Baptist Church. I know that we would long to come alongside and encourage and pray with you as you walk through this time of struggle. It's also possible that you would seek out the uh, wisdom of a professional counselor. And so if that's the case, I encourage you to find a Christian counselor who, who has an understanding of the Christian worldview, who can walk through this with you and encourage you during this dark time. My point is this. If you are struggling with that, don't do it alone. Find a godly individual that can be your help. Real quickly, I want to hit on some other signs of anxiety that the Bible describes. And I apologize for the next slide. This is one of the ones that, uh, yeah, didn't kind of got messed up. Anyway, the first one is Second Chronicles chapter 15, uh, verses 5 and 6. We learn that anxiety creates a lack of peace. In Proverbs 17.1, we learn that family strife can be uh, a part of anxiety. Psalm 116, verse 3, it's a, a anguish. That feeling of anguish can be uh, very debilitating when it comes to anxiety. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 18, um, we discover that anxiety can create a deep emotional pain in people's hearts. Um, in Lamentations verses one, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, it, it can give you a sick-to-your-stomach feeling. Some of you may have experienced that. And then in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 19, your heart 
can race as a result of anxiety. So how does the Bible compare to um, clinical anxiety as described by the mental health field? One of the things that's interesting is, is how much overlap there really is. That, that God's Word, um, written thousands of years ago, has so much overlap with the things that we've learned through studying mental health in the last hundred or so years. So in the mental health field, we've identified different categories of um, anxiety. The first one is separation anxiety, which is basically um, diagnosed in children where they have a fear of separating from their parents, and that's the separation anxiety. Um, Another example is phobias. Now, there are so many phobias that I will not go into all of them this morning, but the reality is that those phobias are a specific object or a specific situation that somebody is afraid of. Probably agoraphobia. I mean, not agoraphobia. Um, arachnophobia is probably like the fear of spiders. Anybody have the fear of spiders? Yeah. Um, or um, uh, claustrophobia, fear of closed-in spaces. There's lots and lots of them. Um, there's social anxiety, which leads people to be afraid of social situations or even to be in crowds of people. They can become very, very anxious as a result of that. Panic. Panic is a very serious issue, that an intense fear reaction in in which the person is is overcome with fear. And it's so intense that at times they feel like they're actually dying. A, A lot of trips to the emergency room are related to this type of anxiety. Agoraphobia, which is a fear of leaving the safety of your home. Generalized anxiety disorder, which in a sense is kind of like the fear of everything. Uh, every, if you can imagine it would be go bad, that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're dwelling on. And so you have this generalized anxiety of bad things happening to you or the people you care about. Post-traumatic stress disorder, which is uh, anxiety over real or imagined triggers that are related to some past traumatic event that you've experienced in your life. There's many more, but I I won't go into all of them for you this morning, but uh, those are some of the types of anxiety. Some of the symptoms of anxiety, of course, anxiety itself, stress that's out of proportion to the impact of the event, worry, irritability, fear, emotional flooding, um, hypervigilance, restlessness, uh, escape, avoidance, insomnia, how many of you have lost a night of sleep because of anxiety? Many, I'm sure. Uh, fatigue, sweating, nausea, heart palpitations, rapid heart rates, trembling, tightness in your throat, muscle tension, headaches, uh, GI upset, a lack of concentration, uh, your mind goes blank, unwanted thoughts, anxious thoughts, fears of bad things happening to you and so on. So as you can see, the, the soul care in the field of mental health, the counselor's office, and soul care within the church has a high level of overlap. It's, we are dealing with the brokenness in people's lives. And we need to take care of those who are hurting among us. Uh, we need to care for ourselves when we through stress or anxiety, get out of whack. And we need to come together as God's people and support each other, build each other up, 
even as God's word commands us to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as you are already doing. My final point that I would like to make is that anxiety in and of itself is not sinful. In fact, when we do face anxiety, how we respond to it really makes it good or bad. There are times when anxiety, anxiousness, actually helps us to avoid things that ultimately would be destructive. Uh, For example, um, if I'm anxious to get a speeding ticket when I'm driving my car, um, I'm going to slow down. And when I slow down, um, I'm going to be a safer driver, right? And so here's an example of how anxiety actually protects me from something that ultimately would be dangerous to my health. And we see the same thing in the spiritual realm as well. God has a set of parameters that he set before us in terms of things that we are to do and things we are not to do. And when we don't follow those parameters, it's sin. And at times we can be anxious towards sin. And that anxiety that we have towards sins prevents us from making spiritually decision, spiritual decisions that ultimately are destructive to our well-being. And so in this way, anxiety, again, protects us from the uh, thing that would do damage to us. Being anxious for God's holiness and holding a reverent view of God keeps us on the right track. There are times when being anxious is first good, but then leads into sin. Uh, The parable of the talents. Jesus describes a man who was reverent towards his master, which is good. But he takes that reverence too far in that he was so fearful of his master, he went and dug a hole in the ground and put the money that his master gave him in order to invest in the ground, buried it, covered it up. And when his master returned, he dug it back up and gave it to his master and said, here, here it is. He didn't invest it. He didn't even put it in the bank so that they would get interest on it. Instead, he went and buried it, which was a sin. There are times when being concerned leads us to take appropriate action for daily life. Uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. And that anxiety that concern about eating like i'm hungry should drive every able-bodied person to make sure that they're working in fact if you go on it continues on that 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 person became a busybody um, causing problems in the church on the other hand we hear jesus say this therefore i tell you don't worry about your life what you will eat what you will drink about your body what you will wear isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing and so in these two illustrations we see that um, not having care concern just be kind of like carefree do whatever i want can lead to sin and the other extreme i'm tied up in knots and i'm worried about every element of my life and what's going to happen next and where my next meal is going to come from that can lead to sin and so there's a, there's a reality when it comes to anxiety that how we respond ultimately determines whether or not it's a problem of sin for us.
to wrap things up then, in conclusion, we find that the Bible has much to say about anxiety, this thing that we call anxiety. This occurs in a wide range of different situations with a wide different range of people. Kings and paupers, sinners and saints, the, the people of God and the enemies of God all struggle with fear and anxiety. When we compare what we know about anxiety in Scripture to what we know about anxiety in the mental health field, we see that there's a high level of overlap between those two fields. And when fear leads to division in the body of Christ between brothers and sisters in Christ, we allow the devil, the father of lies, to have his way with us. We can also let anxiety interfere with our hope and trust that we have in God. On the other hand, anxiety can lead to the fear and reverence for God can actually keep us safe and keep us from sinning. Ultimately, how we handle anxiety determines whether or not faith and revering God's holiness is the way that we go, or if we respond in divisive, doubting, sinful, and self-seeking ways. Our hope, Travis and my hope, over the next few weeks is to show you how to respond to anxiety in a manner that honors God and celebrates the care and concern that God has for each and every one of you. We also hope that through this series that you will grow in the faith and knowledge of God. Perhaps this morning you are really struggling with anxiety. Maybe you're facing some very challenging and difficult circumstances in your life. If you would like to meet for a time of encouragement and prayer, would you please let us know? In a few moments, um, we're going to have an invitation. If you would like, you could come forward, and I'd be more than willing to pray with you. Alternatively, in front of you are connections cards. You could pull that out. Uh, This is particularly good if you're one of those who struggles with social anxiety and the thought of walking forward is terrifying. You could write on there that you would like a contact from a pastor or staff member. And, And I know that each and every one of us want you to know that we are here for you. But I want to say none of us have mastered the art of mind reading. And so if you are struggling, you have to let us know so that we can help. We desire that you would find peace in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That you might live a redeeming, excellent, and fulfilling life. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father God, we humble ourselves before you right now. And Lord, we confess that we have been anxious, that we have feared things that we ought not to have feared, and that we failed to fear those things that really and truly we ought to have feared. And so we confess that to you right now. We also confess, Lord, that there's been Uh, a division that has been in our hearts, us against them, that has created all sorts of anxiety and turmoil and trials and tribulations 
So, Lord, we confess that to you right now. And, Lord, we seek to come together as the people of God, that the people that serve and honor you in our lives. Lord, help us to be a people that encourages and builds up and lifts up one another in Christ. And Lord, for those who are struggling this morning with anxiety, struggling with trials of, of fears and bad scenarios that are playing in their heads or maybe even playing in real life, I pray that you would give them a sense of comfort this morning and that, Lord, you would put people around them that can be a support and encouragement as they face those trials. And so, Lord, we just lift all of this up to you and pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.